Good evening and welcome to the ME7 podcast. Was Saturday the final now in the survival coffin? Or can Neil Harris's men pull out a miracle when Rotherham come to down this Saturday? Tonight, we discuss Saturday's loss in the South Coast against Portsmouth. The chairman's letter that he released the day before our biggest game in years. Um, always the time with our chairman. Um, and potentially, um, yeah, we review, obviously, or preview, should I say, the game that we've got against promotion chasing Rotherham on Saturday at Priestfield. Um, tonight, I'm joined by Owen Stanley and Lewis Browning. Good evening, gents. Um, Lewis, we'll come to you first. You was at Fratton Park on Saturday afternoon. Um, yeah, give us give us your assessment of it. Yeah, evening, everyone. Um, can't wait to be talking about this game again, um, said with sarcasm. But yeah, it was a frustrating one. Um, I think everyone understands that we needed to go into, needed to get something from these last two games. And now it's looking like we're going to have to get something from this last game because we didn't pick anything up on Saturday. Um, poor defending for the first goal. I think Dave Tatunda dives in and then Ryan Jackson loses Ronan Curtis with the ball across the box. Ryan Jackson, you know, makes up for it, I guess, scoring a goal, brilliant goal on the volley. Um, nice to be able to celebrate a decent, a decent goal, which we've not been able to do too many times this season. But just before halftime, obviously, tempers flared a little bit. Um, Jackson misses the header, first of all. I, I'm not sure what he's doing. I've watched it back 100 times and then decides to sit on the floor. So Max Aim has to come across and then, you know, the, it goes 2-1 to Portsmouth. And Neil Harris is sent off in the melee, which I think is quite disappointing, really. Um, but it happens. And then the second second half, you know, we never looked in it. I don't think many Jules fans thought we were going to get an equaliser, let alone a winner. Um, obviously, it went 3-1 and then we were pretty much out of it from then. And it was just a matter of looking at the clock and seeing how long we had left until the result was confirmed. Yeah, I mean, um, look, we've, we've, we've obviously got a, a good record at Fratton Park um, anyway. But when when when, you, when you're travelling to Fratton Park with a side that haven't scored very many goals this season... Um, I mean, 13 at home. I'm not, I'm not sure how many it is away. Um, I mean, yeah, they're, they're, effectively, they're not really playing for anything. Um, I, I think they're playing for eighth uh, as such. Um, it, it, it's, it's disappointing that that we, we, we could only... Well, we've obviously mastered the one goal, but but the, the defending for the for the three goals, so it's, it's quite, it was quite frankly shocking, wasn't it? Yeah, it's very poor. I think it's, I said the other week, we only can see one set-piece goal under Harris, and that was at Cheltenham, and now it's now two in three games. Uh, I think every goal was really, really poor one to concede, a really easy goal to score from a Borsa point of view, and I think it, I think we perhaps saw, because Lewis know better than I've watched in the whole game, but I've watched extended highlights back, a majority of the game back, and that to me, like, probably the first time it looked like we actually given up under Harris, we sort of didn't really once the third one, when it looked like it was just mentally gone for us, and we were just hoping and praying for the full-time whistle to come a bit sooner, on so we can just get out of there and look forward to next week. But I think it was the sort of a, one of those performances that sort of epitomised where we are at the minute. And for every turn we've had these last couple of months, where you think we might get out a bit, like the wins at Crinton and Doncaster, it's all sort of coming full circle now. And we look to be just dangerously above that trap door and obviously as you said we've only one striker I mean I know Dixon Peters is there as well but he's just not this level with all due respect he isn't that's why he didn't start if he was you'd throw him in when we don't have the strikers and make makeshift um, 
replacement for Kelman, but he didn't do that. So it tells you all you need to know, I think, on that front. But, you know, with one striker and, you know, <laughs> players in behind who, you know, raise, we never know whether he's going to be fit or not for a start. I'm not sure if he was ever meant to play 90 minutes on um, Saturday. I'm not even sure if he did. But he's definitely one that's being monitored game time-wise. Something very key for us. It's a very depleted squad at a very bad time. And I think it's going to going to come full circle in the wrong way, I'm afraid. Yeah, Lewis, uh, uh, Harris mentioned in, he, <coughs> in his post-match co- comments that he, he feels that the, the third goal wouldn't have happened had Stuart O'Keefe been, been, been on the pitch. Um do you go along with that? Do, do, do you feel that O'Keefe is kind of instrumental to to, to this Gillingham side staying stay, stay solid? Yeah, he is. I mean, he, he played a little bit further forward at times, but in central midfield, I think he's key. He's probably my vote for player of the season. Um, you know, I think he was always the real captain, so to speak, in terms of leadership on the pitch when Kyle Dempsey was there, but now he's taken the role, you know, in flying colours, really, he's been instrumental for us. I don't think he's fit at all. You know, he's done half a game the last two games, but because of where we are in the season, he's obviously playing. Um, as soon as I saw Dan Phillips warming up at half time on Saturday, I knew it was going to be okay if it was going off. Um, it's unfortunate, but you know, he he's probably fighting through pain to stay on the pitch. Um, I don't think Dave Tatunda is a great defender. I think I'm right in saying he was the player that lost his man for the the header from the set piece. Um, so I'm not sure if how much he can impact stuff like that. But in terms of organisation and stuff like that, um, I think Stuart O'Keefe's vital um, in our midfield. I know we've got a lot of midfielders. Um, I don't get the whole thing playing Ollie Lee deep. I don't get that at all. Um, Steve Lovell did it and then Neil Harris has stuck with it. And yeah, I mean, that's a debate for another time probably, but he's, he's had a shocking season really. And he's, he, yeah, I think Stuart O'Keefe being in there um, is a massive thing for us and hopefully he can get some game time in the last couple of, well, the last game. Um, Cause even if he's not fit, you want to try and get him out there as much as you can in the last game of the season. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it, we, yeah, I, we obviously said before kickoff that, um, and the club put it out that they'd, they'd lost the appeal with Charlie Kelman's um, red card. And, and I, I saw it online that a lot of fans basically were, were saying that we're, we were in trouble and 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 it was a big loss down to Charlie and, and things like that. In the grand scheme of things, Charlie has obviously done very well since coming back to the football club, but was it kind of a make or break getting a result at Saturday? Would like, as in my question is, would Charlie have made a hell of a difference at Fratton Park? I think it definitely would have helped. It's not the sort of situation where you're missing the strikers, you can go to a 4-2-3-1 and bring a couple of wingers in because you don't have any 11 fit either. So it's one of them. And as I said, you haven't really got a replacement up front who is ready to go into that team, at least with Kelman, although he's not going to score you loads of goals. He knows he knows his teammates, he knows everyone around him. He puts in the shift, he can make a difference. Would he have got a goal? I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's just one of them where you say, is it make or break? But we needed to win one of these two games and it wasn't Saturday. So, and without him on Saturday, this coming Saturday as well, with a one striker, it's make or break this Saturday, isn't it? We're not going to have him for that either. So, you know, it's, you know, we could well end up going down and people could point to saying, well, if we had Kelman for these two games, maybe it would have been different. Who knows? Three of ads, you know, Lloyd and Carrie old fit these past couple of months. We might not even be in the situation, but, it's all lifts and butts, really. We've got what we've got. It's not 
you know, a squad or that's an availability that most League One managers will look at and think, oh, I wish I had that. But it is what it is now, unfortunately. And, you know, I didn't think it would get turned over the appeal. I thought it was. You know, I've watched it quite a few times. I'm really, I, I still don't really know my opinion on it, to be honest. I think it's just one of those weird things that you probably see once in a thousand games, if that. And I think it's it's hard to go back on a decision that you make like that in the game. But, you know, we know we haven't got him now, so we've got to do what we can to make the best of it. And if we can, great. If we can't, then, you know. Lewis, um, yeah, I mean... A lot of people have, have obviously said about um, Harris doing an incredible job and and obviously quite rightly he has. Um, he's done a very, very good job with the, with the squad that he's got. Um, but I, I pose a question to you in terms of, um, do you think in the grand scheme of things that we, we deserve to go down in, in, because obviously the last few games where we've had, a numerous chances to get out of this position under Harris, where we've drawn at home to Wimbledon, we've thrown a two-goal lead away at Cheltenham, we have then not beaten Fleetwood. Um, we've had numerous opportunities to get us ourselves out of this situation. We've then obviously thrown a point away at Stadium of Light. We've had numerous chances to get out of this under Harris, and we haven't. Who who, who do you think that is to blame in that situation where? Forget about previous management under Harris and these players. We've we've still had a numerous amount of chances to get out of this, haven't we? And we and we effectively we've blown it. Yeah, I mean, you can always look at points now at this stage of the season where they could have got points. I mean, you you said to forget Evans, but you think of Bolton away, um, and obviously you think of the Wimbledon game. Monday was incredibly frustrating for me because I don't feel that personally. We tried to win the game towards the back end of the game. And I think we were happy for a point, which I found so bizarre. But yeah, as you say, um, throwing throwing the leads away and dropping points is frustrating. But I suppose you've got to remember the squad we've got. Um, I don't I don't know how Saturday is affect um yeah, Saturday how, how Saturday has affected this stat, but Harris was saying last week that before um before the weekend games, if the season had started on February the first, we'd have been twelfth, which is obviously mid table with a with a poor team. Um, which you know, I, th- I don't think anyone can argue how how thin the squad is. How it's nowhere near what Harris would want in terms of the squad. So yeah, you can you can point fingers and think of games such as Wimbledon where we should have won, such as Fleetwood where we should have gone and won. Um, throwing points away, it's frustrating. But um, you know, I'm I'm not saying because he's done such a good job you can't pick at these flaws. But I think you you can probably excuse it. But it's still frustrating as frustrating as it can be. Owen, um, obviously the day before the Portsmouth game, um, the chairman decided to release the letter that we've all been not waiting for, but we've been expecting. Um, what did you what did you make of the letter that he released on on Friday? I think half of it was more things that I'm not really that interested in. All due respect, like the, the school and the canteen and the pizza bars or whatever it was. But the one thing I did pick up on, which is the good thing to hear, is that the embargo is going to be gone for start of next season, which, you know, everyone's been looking for some clarity on that basically all the se- all season. It's been a case of um, when's the embargo finish? It's not an embargo, but it is an embargo, but it also isn't an embargo without really having a clear idea about what, when it's going to finish, how much we're worried. But he does seem pretty adamant that it's going to be done by the end of the season, which 
know, we would have liked it to be sorted out a bit before now, but thankfully it will be done by next season. Because I think that was the one thing that sort of hanged over everyone's heads when Harris came in. It's like, it's all good having him in, but if he's going to be coming in next season, we're still under an embargo, regardless of what league we're in, it's going to take an effect. So that not being there definitely helps. Um, you know, he said... <laughs> I think the thing is with Scully is that he sort of builds a reputation with these and all his chairman's chats. So a lot of the things he says you sort of don't take as gospel, if you like. I know there's a big bit about uh, certain people being banned if they said this or that, whatever else, and, you know, all of this sort of stuff. But I, my main takeaway from it was just the embargo. That's what I went looking for straight away when I read through it. And look, I did only skim read it because he did write about a 10,000 words or whatever it was or 19 page document and I was like no thanks I'll just skim but you know it, it's a good job that he actually put it out in the end which is good and my main takeaway was that the embargo is going to be over which is fantastic and you know though on the whole his car didn't, didn't cost £80,000 so there you go. <laughs> um, Lewis um, what was quite interesting um, was that there was a two page of the 19 pages of basically how he very much dislikes Steve Evans now, um, yeah. and and very much um, the factor of that he should have let him go um, when he had the chance, um, and that still to this day that he regrets that. Um, yeah, what do do you think? There's more to meets the eye, or do, do you think he went on for too long? How 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 do you feel felt about that situation when you read it? Yeah, I was interested before I read it because I was I was seeing people saying, you know, oh, well, first of all, I went to the theatre Friday night, came out, saw that he'd released the the letter, and thought, brilliant timing, you know, as everyone did. Um, <laughs> I thought I'm going to have to go home and read this now, you know. No one really wanted to, but it's one something you got to do. Um, and yeah, people were saying about how he'd sort of taken a lot of anger out on Steve Evans, and I was like, okay, I'm looking forward to reading it. Sat and read it with my dad, and yeah, I mean. It's an interesting one. Um, he definitely should have been let go earlier. I think everyone can agree on that. You know, we've rejected an approach for Stevenage from Stevenage earlier on in the year. And then, you know, we've sacked him and he's gone to Stevenage anyway. So that could have been a different situation. Um, yeah, I think the, the main takeaway I have from it is that everyone knew what was going to happen. I've said to so many people throughout Evans' tenure, you know, everyone, we might get a couple of good years and we had a good couple of years. You know, unfortunately, one of them was playing closed doors and, uh, the other one was cut short, but we had two 10th place finishes, which is good. This year, under Evans, was absolutely horrible. Um, probably the worst times I've had as a Jules fan under Evans. I think everyone knew you might get a good couple of years, but it's eventually it's going to all come falling apart. And that's what happened. And Scully seems surprised that that's happened when everyone sort of knew that was going to happen at some point. Um, and yeah, I mean, you, it's fair enough to him for, for regretting do, not doing it earlier. I think everyone could sort of see that now in hindsight. It's interesting that he said that it, how low it drove the club, um, Evans being around. And he, if he's seeing that, why has he not made that decision earlier? But yeah, he, he's, he's taken out on Evans. Um, if he felt like he had to say that's fair enough. You know, we're not behind the scenes every day. We don't, we don't see how it was. So yeah, maybe it was like that and maybe you know, in hindsight now he's made that decision, but I think he definitely should have made it earlier and he knows that. And I think it's probably obvious that he should have done that at the time too. I think what um, struck me the most was that within that two-page document that you mentioned about Evans was that he mentioned that the budget was the highest it has ever been at Gillingham Football Club. Um, and what, what struck in my mind was that that doesn't come inside with how poor the squad 
that had been put together by Steve Evans, it didn't make any sort of sense. Was that you look at the you look at the player recruitment that Steve Evans had done, but then you look at Paul Scully's comments of the highest budget, and and I was sitting there thinking, and I've still been thinking it now. I was thinking, but surely Steve Evans, who have got has gone and got numerous promotions out of this league, who knows good football league players, would not have put such a poor, poor, poor League One squad together as it's been put together this season if the budget was as high as it's ever, ever been. It didn't re- really make any sense. I mean, and, and do you think that, that that then is more to meet the eye than, than what he's released in that document? Well, I think there's two ways of looking at it. I don't really believe it's the biggest budget we've had since, well, since however long. I don't really think that. But at the same time, you look at some of the players Evans has brought in, even in the good years where he's brought in the likes of Graham, Dempsey and Oliver, with all of them, he's also brought in the likes of Usi Say and Lee Hodson and all these players as well. So you can definitely point out that some of his recruitment has been quite poor, especially the load of players that we've been left with this year who just, you know, with all due respect, aren't up to standard. But he has also been able to bring in a couple of players that have gone on to do well. But in, in terms of the budget, I can't think that it is the highest budget because especially considering after every game, win, lose or draw, it was always, you know, we've got the worst budget in the league. We've got one of the worst two budgets in the league, etc., etc. And I don't think he'd, one, I don't think he'd say that constantly every time if it wasn't true. And two, I think surely Scully would be getting at him eventually saying, can you please stop saying that in interviews 24-7 because it's not true. But it's, it's, it's not like we had, especially this season, I wouldn't really say we had a really a, not, not so much a marquee signing within our budget, I suppose, but it's not, well, if you had if you had a half-decent budget in League One, you'd expect to be get better, better players than the ones we bought in this year. But I, I, I find it hard to believe that we had, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, we had a budget that was that good for this level or that good for us as a club in terms of what we're used to, especially considering you look through Steve Evans' career has always done well on a budget. You know, Peterborough and League One, you're always going to get a decent backing and he's been successful. Maybe successful at uh, Jill's is obviously 10th, which he did, but <clears throat> I'm, I'm just not sure I particularly buy into the idea that, that you know, he had a he had a, like, greater budget here. Also, I'd just like to quickly, very quickly point out the, the thing that Lewis mentioned about Stevenage. He says he, he had the approach from Stevenage that we rejected. No, I'm guessing he rejected it because he thought it wasn't good enough compensation. But I do wonder if you ask Scully now, looking back, why don't you just take it because you've lost him for nothing anyway? And we're probably paying off a lot of his contract towards the end of it as well. So it's not really turned out to be a good financial move there. And we also could have got Harrison earlier and maybe not been in the situation. I mean, it's all, it's all hindsight, obviously, but that was something that didn't really make too much sense to me. Yeah. I think some of the positives that obviously come out of the letter was the was the marketing side of it. Um, I, I thought, obviously, the partnership that you mentioned about the K, KMFM, that that, um, that they they are going to start sharing a lot more of the things going on in and around the club, a lot more on their radio stations, which I think we all we all listen to the radio at some point and lo- the local radio, BBC Radio Kent and KMFM and, and whatever. And, and, and you hardly hear the football club mentioned. It might be a one-off game where there's a ticket deal or whatever, but apart from that, it's never very rarely mentioned. So I think that's a massive move. 
I think also the side of of what he plans to do with the factory and the events that are going on in the, in the football club are all positive things. I think now, rather than words, I think I think the biggest thing now to come out of that letter is that we've seen these letters happen a numerous amount of times under the chairman, but we've seen no actions put in place. I think that is the biggest thing is that we need to start seeing things actually put in place in the football club now. Um, I think the fact of the matter is that it's shown against Fleetwood on Monday, Easter Monday, that the, the support is still there for the team, wherever they are in the league. If you do a ticket deal and you market it right, the fans come through the gate. And so I think that is the biggest eye-opener that the chairman needs to, to to look at. Lewis, do you agree with that? That, that whatever, um, wherever the, the, the club is in the league, I think the club has got so much more potential that if you market things right, you will get people through the gate. Yeah, look, we're we're the only football league club in Kent, and Kent's not a small county, and to have four thousand in the in the ground every week isn't good enough, really. Um, you know, as you say, there's the club has a lot of potential. There's so much more that could be done. Um, what well, I can't remember the attendance off the top of my head, but eight thousand was it Monday ish? Um, yeah, you know, one hundred. Yeah, pretty much double what we've what we've been having, and the support is there. I mean, it wasn't great football that they saw, but you know, going down for me anyway, going down at the weekend to see your team with your friends and your family. It's, it's great. And I don't see why people interested in the club wouldn't want to do that. So, you know, you could do more of these deals. You've got to be aware of season ticket holders, as has rightly been said. But if you do more of these deals, then hopefully you'll get the attendance up. And that's the thing that Harris has made very clear that he wants to do as well during his stay. Yeah, OK. Right. So let's move on to let's move on to Saturday then. 12.30 kickoff against Rotherham, the final game of the season. Um, it, it effectively looks like one that, I mean, it, it is the, the toughest game we could have possibly asked for. Bar Wigan going into the going into that final game that we need. We well, we need something. We need something. We need a positive result on Saturday. Owen, um, how do you think? How do you think, in your opinion, it, it's going to go? Well, it says a lot, doesn't it? That talking about Paul Scully is more uplifting than talking about this game, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I, I can't get away from the fact I think we'll lose because mm. I think regardless of what Wolverham do tomorrow, I think if they win tomorrow, they're guaranteed promotion. But then I believe they're only, I think it might be a goal, maybe even two goal difference away from Wigan. So they could realistically still catch them on the final day to win the title. So whatever their result tomorrow, they'll have something to play for. And I think when it comes down to it, they're just going to have too much trust. And I just don't see it. I know, I know in certain games, like sort of, Chevy Wednesdays and Wickham's have been able to be quite resolute in defence and hold out. But I think in a game of this magnitude, and you saw how much it got to us on Easter Monday where we couldn't fashion anything going forward, I think we're going to have to gonna have to win the game, I think. Because I, I the thing is, that we look at other, other results, I think I think Morgan will lose to Sunderland, but I wouldn't be surprised if Fleetwood got something at Bolton just purely because Bolton had nothing to play for. And Wimbledon could still catch us as well, by the way, which is quite damning. But you know, I don't, I don't, I don't have much confidence going into it. I think we'll get beat, unfortunately, and I think that will that will be curtains. Lewis, what do you reckon? Yeah, I'm. I'm trying to remind myself to try and be upbeat because it's not a happy topic at the minute. But I think, unfortunately, the same. Um, I think as I've been touched on games such as Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday, Sunderland, we we held them for quite a long time as well. I can't really see it happening. Um, it feels like we've literally just hit mental fatigue now. And 
our defensive record that we've sort of prided ourselves on, I guess, under Harris since he's come in is is starting to falter a bit. Um, I think Totonda and Jackson have, have struggled. Obviously, they struggled at the weekend and Harris clearly doesn't like them as a combination because he's tried to put McKenzie in there when he can. Um, I'm not sure if McKenzie will be back, but Tutonda was struggling as well. And then Connor Masterson went to left back against Portsmouth. You could maybe point to a change in formation, but then you're perhaps leaving yourself a bit more exposed at the back. But yeah, I think I think we need a miracle because as Owen said, we do need a positive result. We are in the bottom four and unless Fleetwood get hammered both games, you know, we're not going to take them on goal difference and you can literally rule that out. So yeah, we need a point and Fleetwood to lose both. We need to win and see Morecambe lose or something like that. But um, as you said, James, earlier, it's not the it's not a great game to have. And Rotherham, unfortunately, are still fighting for something as well. So it, it, yeah, I can't I can't see it being positive for us. But hopefully, hopefully it will be. Owen, I mean, how do we look at this situation? Because obviously, we've gone down to the final day before in this league, where we obviously ended up getting. It was a different situation when we went down there. We've only got about a minute to wrap this up. Minute and a half. Obviously, yeah, it was it was the final day when we got beat at Wickham, where it looked like we weren't going to we weren't going to go down, and of course we did. Uh, do we look at this one, Owen, where Harris is given absolutely everything possible, and it's just it's just kind of hit somewhere that it's unfortunate, or is it going to be frustrating? Yeah, I think it's the fatigue. I think when you have a limited squad anyway, when you're having to play. The same players are going to play 90 minutes week in, week out. Then you have injuries as well, which doesn't make it any easier. I think we have reached a ceiling now. I don't think we could have asked for a much more difficult game other than, well, I suppose, we can just because they're the only team ahead of them. But, yeah, I, don't, I think the, the saving grace is, I suppose, you don't go into this game with much expectancy, so you're not going to be that, you know, upset or angry by the end of it because you probably saw it coming. But, you know, this is Jillian. After all, we are one of those sides who can pull something out of nothing with no logical reason. So it's hopefully this week is going to be one of those occasions I'll let Lewis get in just before we uh, wrap up. Yeah, Lewis, go on in, quickly. Yeah, I mean, fingers crossed, you know, we've got to try and win the game. I don't think a point's going to be enough, so we'll, we'll go for it and we'll see what happens at Fleetwood tomorrow. And then, you know, fingers crossed by the next show, we'll be safe. Let's let's, let's wait and see. The uh, Yeah, can, can Jules pull off a miracle in ME7 on Saturday afternoon. Saturday afternoon, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. For now, good night.